Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. This week, I'm wrapping up season two of the 100 Mass Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about gender roles, expectations from society, and how that affects our self-worth. I've noticed a trend of some guys speaking about the fear of getting me tooed, like it's a verb now. So I sought out someone who actually experienced the process of allegedly being accused for aggravated sexual assault. Masked man number 49 is the exonerated man. He shares his side of the story from the arrest coming out of nowhere on a typical drive to work, news stories using Tinder as a weapon, his relationship with a dispassionate lawyer, and not one, not even two, but three allegations from three different women. Before you ask me if I believe him, let me ask you, does it matter? I'm just here to find out the truth. I hope you enjoy the show. There's just a, a, a person that I, I met and it was, you know, the infamous Tinder, even uh, the news story that was released about me even, even cited that app as you know, the weapon. Yeah, I used a lot of dramatic terminology, which was weird. But yeah, anyway, so um, we just met and we went on a few dates and that was it just everything seemed very, very normal at first. The strange thing about all of it is that looking back now and kind of re reliving the conversation and, and rereading over text messages, um, which played a big part, I'll get to that. And even my lawyer kind of uh, agreed with the same thing. He thought, yeah, it does seem that way. But you know, seeming a certain way isn't good enough in that situation. So, yeah, we just, we met, we went on a few dates. Uh, so we went and the first day out, we went for a walk and everything seemed fine. And that went on for a few months. And just the conversation became more and more charged and heated. The, the whole relationship kind of, it ended up like a very sexually oriented thing conversation just kind of always steered towards that and i'm not you know trying to claim some moral high ground like we we spoke the same way to each other but it it kind of started to go down this road where it made me kind of feel cautious and again i was thinking to myself well maybe you know maybe this is not how things really are um so i actually cut things off a couple of times and, and said like yeah i just need to to move on and we'll do other things and she says fine and it seemed like a very amicable thing we, there was no animosity there that a few weeks would go by and i would get another message from her and i caved and we would go and see each other again um that happened a couple of times and then the conversation you know it got to a point where i thought okay like don't second guess yourself anymore like it's gotta it's gotta end you made the right decision the first time stick to your guns so, all right so i did that and then we, we split for good for other reasons there you know i she would reach out to me again and i i stopped responding because it started to get a little pushy so you know she would send me a message i wouldn't respond another message i wouldn't respond and then she kind of went quiet so i didn't hear from her for maybe two months and then i get one last message from her that, you know, in, I'll say it in the least graphic way possible, but she basically says, listen, I know we haven't seen each other in a long time, but I want us to be together again right now. And I didn't respond to that. So and then another few weeks went by and that's when I was arrested. What was the process? So you didn't, you didn't respond at all. Did you think that that was threatening that she said, like, I want us to be together or was it just like alarming? No, it didn't. Not at all. It didn't seem threatening at all, but I, I did get to watch like the statement that she gave and she was questioned on her reaching out to me, you know, and um, she, uh, she said that she did it just to see if I would respond. And so I don't know what that means, you know, in, okay. in that context, but that was her answer to the police when they were uh, interviewing her about it, which, I mean, I don't know. It, it okay. seems to me like it, it that's not an excuse for doing that. If you're trying to, um, if you're trying to convey a message that you weren't trying to reach out to me for that reason, but uh, yeah, so they they asked her about that, and that was her her response. It was so quick, you know. I thought it was all done. I thought it was over, 
I deleted her number after that because I, I, I thought for sure, okay, well, I didn't respond to you for like uh, a long time. And then in your last message to me, I, I again didn't respond for a long time. Like, I think that would be pretty apparent to anyone. And then just like that, when it, when I was arrested and there was, there was so much time that had passed. It's kind of what made me think like, no, it can't be her. Like we hadn't spoken in forever. So can you, can you walk me through the, that first day? Like you said, like you woke up, you, were, you went to work. I think you were mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, at the time it's, uh, I was living with a friend of mine. Um, and we both worked at the same place. Um, so we carpooled there. So we would leave the house at around 5.30 in the morning. It was actually Halloween day. So yeah, we were leaving for work. Um, we only get out of the driveway maybe 50 feet. Um, the lights come on behind the car. Um, two officers walk up, one on the driver's side, one on the passenger I was on the passenger side. The one officer was just kind of distracting uh, the driver just while uh, the, a detective spoke to me. And they didn't say anything. They just said, are you, you know, are you this person? I said, yep, that's me. Um, Please step out of the car. You're under arrest for aggravated sexual assault. And those words just kind of washed over my head. It's, I thought, okay, who, who paid you to come and do this? It's not my birthday. It's not a prank. You know, I thought, okay, this is going to end in 20 seconds. And I'm going to hear the real reason why this is all happening. And then that moment didn't come. (laughs) <laughs> they just mm-hmm. cuffed me, put me in a car, didn't say anything. And, you know, it was, and it's, it's uncomfortable. Like the back of that car is not a roomy place. I'm a big guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was uncomfortable. And they just started driving to a police station. I didn't know which one. I, it seemed like it took forever. And from that hour in the morning, I, I don't know, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell if one day had passed or two days had passed because there was no window to see outside for the daylight and there was no clock visible. So when they finally took me out of a cell for interrogation, I looked around for a clock and I saw three o'clock. So it was, you know, it was five 30 in the morning. And then at 3 PM we went in for interrogation mm-hmm. and that lasted like upwards to 20 hours just back and forth and from the cell to the interrogation from the cell to the interrogation. And that, and then I started to forget, you know, if you're, if you're separated from sunlight and a clock, you, you, you lose connection over what time it is, what day it is. I didn't know if a whole day had passed. Plus it's at the time I had some pretty heavy responsibilities at my work. So I didn't have the opportunity to call my job to say, Hey, listen, I'm not going to be there because of this. I'll explain everything later. There's nothing. They just kind of had some big things going on and they just not show up, which is weird. Um, so yeah, when, when everything kind of got squared away and I was able to speak to a lawyer and, and paid bail and all of that sort of thing. And I, I got out, that's when I called my folks and I called my friends and I called my work and, and got everything straightened away. My work at the time, like, thank God they were, you know, they, they kept me, on. It's not like every other place where I tried to be employed after that. They were a contract-based company. So they said, listen, we can't send you to a, a job site without revealing this information. And if they're okay with it, then that's fine. But if they're not, then we have to try to put you somewhere else. And I says, all right, well, I understand what you have to do legally to protect yourself as a company, right? I mean, they didn't have to keep me on, which I was thankful for. But eventually, there just wasn't enough work to be able to cherry pick places, you know, that was the end of that job. So yeah, that was that first day and was, it was heavy. I didn't, it just seemed like there was so much to do and so much to address. It's like, well, how do I, how do I even, how do you tell your parents something like that? You know, how do you start that conversation? How did that happen? Like, were, were your parents understanding? Like, how did you, well, yes, yes and no. Like my mom, and my dad, they're, they're polar opposites, right? But they're polar opposites for a moment and then they flip. <laughs> so like my mom, she, she worries about everything all the time, chronically for years. She still watches the news <laughs> to see if there's a negative news story. You know, if I was in a car accident or, or something like that, she does it every day. And, um, 
my dad, I saw I, when I called him and I let them know my dad, like he just, he couldn't compute. Like his brain broke for a second mm. and I could hear him like throw the phone down and walk away because in his head, and he explained this to me after, like he's just looking ahead at the battle and all the crap that is coming in the future. And he, he, he immediately just kind of went right there to, you know, how do we fix this problem now before, you know, without ever having a conversation with me and my sister had to pull him aside and say, listen, your, your son is in, in hell right now. And he just called you. So you need to take all your own emotions and put them aside for a second and just have a conversation with him. And that, that was the first time in all of my life growing up that he like listened <laughs> to me or my sister. So instantly he just said, Nope. Okay. That's what got to happen. And then he was a different person from that time till now and continues to be. So I don't know what it did, but it was positive in a way. Oh, that's yeah. cool. You know, I think that's so, interesting to say that because I think, Normally, anyone that is not or has not been in that situation is immediately going to think of, okay, how do we solution out of this? You know, what what do we do to rectify the situation? And I'm sure you must have had so many people besides just your father thinking that way. Oh, yeah. Everyone offered. Everyone is a a lawyer, right? The first (laughs) everyone said that. He's like, well, here's what you got to do. Here's, you know, it's like, well, first of all, before what we got to do, it's like you're you're my father. You're my best friend. You know, you're this person. Just like hang out here for a second. Because I'm circling the drain and I just need some normalcy for a minute, right? And um, it's I thought at the time too it was kind of kind of weird. I, I, you don't realize how you feel about those things sometimes for a long time after, because there's this emotion there and it's brand new and you you don't know what it is because it, you've never felt it before. But oddly enough, just like a couple of days ago. I was just watching, I was watching this, it was a comedian, but he was uh, in his, it was like a more serious part, you know, he said, like, if you're going through a trauma or a turmoil or something like that, he says, all those people that reach out for you, like, if they don't reach out, you'll never forget it. There's people that are close to you, even if they have an excellent reason, you know, if they don't reach out, you will never forget it. And that when he said that, I thought, you know what, that's right. If there's people I've known all my life that I thought we were so close and they didn't come out and say like, Hey man, I, I don't believe you. They've expressed that they were like, Hey, this is, this is crap, man. Like there's, there's no way, there's no way, you know, I've known this guy forever. There's no way they did this, but they didn't reach out to me directly. And I don't know, it might sound selfish or something, but the fact that I didn't hear from them was kind of a weird thing. And like I said, even if they, some of them had excellent reasons, you know, someone reached out months and months later and said like, Hey, I just didn't know if you needed to, just be by yourself or not hear from, not hear anyone else barking in your ear. I thought, okay, so you, you're confused about the moment and that's fair. But I, I just, I can't help like put them in a category now in my head. It's like, Hey man, I was, I was like on fire and I didn't hear a word from you. And that was, that just stuck with me. That was heavy for a long time. So I don't know like how, how big or small is that town? Like would everyone know? That's another strange thing about like who knows and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's basically anyone I've ever known in my life and any city they live in right now, they all knew it seems like within an hour. You know, the story was it hit every news station. I'll get into why that happened in a minute. It hit like every news station. It was like the the Facebook stories were, were shared, like the, the police uh, Facebook page. It was put out with a warning, you know, and people that I, I went to college with who are living all over the country saw this and thought, no, it's not real. But they, everyone knew just right away. Like, like I'm originally from the other side of this country and, and they saw it out there like relatively quickly. But then I've met people here in this city that didn't know at all. It's just when you see those stories flash in front of your face on, you know, a newsfeed on your screen, Unless, unless you're, it's someone that you really know, it just doesn't stay. It doesn't register. Someone saw a news story and it was their best friend from when they were a child. It's like, oh my God, I know this guy. Whereas if it's someone that I work with and I only saw like see them once a month or something, it's like, I don't know, like those people didn't know. It was very strange. But um, the reason why I, I think it, it traveled so far through the news 
because even I spoke with my lawyer and the same thing, it's like, it's like, that's usually not the, uh, the level that that goes to, you know, the reason being is the, the lady that I had this situation with, she, again, I don't want to like reveal people's names or anything like that, but her profession would put her in like a parallel position to a police officer. She's not a police officer, but her line of work, they pretty much view her like that, like one of their own. So she kind of has like authority in that. Yes, yes, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, she's in that, that industry of of, uh, that, that service industry. I mean, if you can imagine that whole situation and this person actually being a police officer, can you imagine like the, the amount of effort that is put into that whole process then? Right. It, it seems like unfair. And that was this situation. So, and everyone was like, man, like, why is your face on the news? And I said, well, this is what she does for a living. And like, oh, and everyone kind of had that sigh of, oh, that makes sense. You know, and I like, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with it really. Right. But I mean, it just seems logical to me. And even my lawyer told me that the, the, the detective was coming after me harder than he had seen in his career. So it, it just seemed to me like, okay, those two things fit together. Like he's taking it as a personal thing. And it just went, it went to a place that was really bonkers for a while. I, for example, the text messages, the very thing that exonerated me in the end, they had copies of that the whole time. And if you read it, any, any logical person that reads through those text messages will say, okay, yeah, so nothing happened here. And she's trying to, she's trying to put this guy away for nothing. Any, you know, anyone who reads that will come to that conclusion. So they had these text messages the whole time, but still pushed for a conviction. So I don't know why that is. If, you know, who, a lot of friends who come to my defense, they're, you know, they keep saying the things like, oh yeah, they just want a promotion, right? Like anything, you know, and I don't, I don't want to, as much as, as emotion might have led me to believe those things in the past, like, I don't want to make statements that, you know, that I don't have any proof of or, or might not be true, but and that's what it seemed like at the time. And, uh, yeah, like those, they were present the whole time. They just knew them. And the, the only reason I think why they weren't brought up is that it was, it was on my phone. So it saved to the iCloud on my laptop. So I think that they didn't know that I had access to them anymore because they had taken my phone. So maybe they only existed on the phone and that was it. Right. And my lawyer didn't make any reference to them through the whole process. So I think from their perspective, it was just that, okay, this, the information on this telephone is not going to be an issue for us coming from the other side because there's been no reference to them so far. So we can just use them at our disposal. Um, whatever works for us, we'll use and whatever doesn't, we won't, you know, but in the, in kind of like the last moments, my lawyer just said, uh, we know you have copies of those text messages, please send them over. And as soon as that request was made, it all went away. The next day it was done. It was over. So, and my lawyer kind of knew that was going to happen. That was, I got to say, like my lawyer was, was kind of a weird guy, (laughs) but he was, he was good. And I told you before, it was just a guy that I I looked for randomly to help with a traffic ticket. And he was, he was a very mechanical person. He didn't really connect to the issue like on a human level very much, which was very strange for me in the beginning. And and it was one of the reasons why I considered not using it at all. You know, like it's in our first meeting, I start going, you know, going through all the details. It's like, Hey, we got to get to work. It's like this crazy thing is happening to me and I need your help. And he just like, not didn't listen, but didn't put any weight on any of those things. And I guess it's, it's true. Like from a, a legal standpoint, it's like a lot of that stuff really doesn't matter. Like it's only a few key points that he really had to, to be concerned with. But to me, it just looked like he wasn't listening or didn't care, you know? And I could see that he was, he was very like robotic. And then I could see the realization in his eyes where he says, Oh, okay. You just want to get it off your chest. Okay. Let's talk. And then he became like a person for a few minutes and we spoke about it and it was all right. And then he just went back into machine mode. And then he just had no emotional attachment to it whatsoever after that. And it was very strange. (laughs) Even, yeah, even after having that like real conversation for that little bit, it was still a hard thing to, to kind of, to, to grab onto because it just felt like 
for one, like if I'm if I'm gonna hire a lawyer, like I want them to believe me. I don't want them to just think, hey, well, here's what the law says, you know. And I don't want a lawyer to be, you know, with me thinking that he's, you know, quote unquote, getting me off with something. Like that's not what I, you know, I want someone who's listening to me and hears what I have to say and and can sense, you know, that I'm being genuine with them. And but it's like that didn't even really matter <laughs> to him at all. But after over time, and I, I kind of got to understand like his personality type, I, I did come to learn that he did believe me from the beginning. He just, he didn't really show that in his speech or, or just persona from the beginning. Yeah. So that was strange. And it was kind of, it was like sailing in a boat with holes in the bottom. Like I had no idea if I was making the right choice or not, or not but yeah. I mean, it worked out. So. So how long was that entire process like um, in court, I guess, like with the lawyer and the back and forth? Uh, yes. Okay. So it's, it started um, in late October 2018. And I got word that it was all done October past, just this October past. And it, uh, it was, yeah, it was just this crazy, crazy ride the whole time. And, and through that whole thing i uh, there's just so much information right it's kind of hard to to grab one tether it's some, sometimes it sounds like i'm i'm really disjointed here but after that was what had happened was late october that happened and then all of all of a sudden they you know they put my face out there saying like if anyone has any information on these guys like come you know please come forward they my dad even told me that he saw a a news story saying that there may be victims in new york because I posted on Facebook that I wow. I went to New York for a holiday, you know, and it was just because I went to New York for a holiday that now all of a sudden <laughs> New York was in danger. <laughs> so it, it's a crazy thing to read about yourself, you know? So, so anyway, that happened in late October. And so I, I was, like I said, I was out of jail now and I'm just trying to be normal. Man, it was so crazy like I was it, it was wind you know it was cold outside so all of a sudden I was wearing a scarf over my face <laughs> and I didn't uh, do, you know I was just trying to cover my face the whole time because that that very first thing is all you think is that every car that drives past you is like oh that's the guy that, that's the guy that, that's the guy you know that's what yeah. you're thinking even even my roommate at the time like we went out and bought a security system because we thought well like well like who's gonna Who's going to see that face and be like, you know, and try to pull something stupid? I mean, the world is full of stupid people. So, so there was that, you know, even if it was unreasonable to think that, like it was a real thought, it was a real emotion at the time, right? So every night it was hard to, to sleep because I'm, I'm listening for a knock at the door because there were curfew checks, you know, there were, I had to be in the house at nine o'clock um, every night. And if you miss it by like one minute, those guys, they're, they're not, they're not very easy about it, you know, and they come and they knock on your door at like three in the morning and two in the morning, wake everyone up. So yeah, that was late October when that happened. So I was in and then I was out and then I'm trying to kind of like be as normal as I can be. And then, then it's, it's kind of late at night. No, it's sorry. It's early in the morning. And my, at this point we have dealt with like some knocks at the door late at night. And so I know what to, I, I started sleeping with my bedroom door open so that I could hear the front door because mm -hmm. um, I was terrified to miss it, you know? So anyway, the, the door was open and for some reason I, I didn't hear the knock this time. Just, and I think it was just, I was only sleeping out of exhaustion at this point. There's just no laying down and drifting off. That stopped happening. There's still sleep issues from that, which is weird, but it's getting better. So anyway, this was in now in late November. And there's a knock at the door. My roommate runs out. He's like, hey, man, the police are at the door. I was like, all right. So I, I jump up and I, I'm kind of just out of, just coming out of the sleep. So I'm kind of frantic. I'm not really knowing what's going on. It's like when I wake up from a deep sleep, I'm I'm, I'm kind of silly. Like I'll trip over stuff. <laughs> so I'm just trying to like get my head about me. And I throw a robe on. And I run downstairs and I open the door. And I was like, hey, guys. So I'm just kind of waiting for them to go through their spiel of like, hey, we're here. Do a curfew check. See you later, good night, whatever. So he opened the door and the guy said, like, yeah, we're just here doing a curfew check and you're under arrest again. What? Oh, yeah. So they arrested me and th that made zero sense to me. Okay. So they stepped inside 
And they're like, all right, I'll be right down. They're like, no, we're coming with you. So they followed me to my bedroom and watched me get dressed. Wow. So I had to, you know, stand there in my underwear, get dressed, and they like followed me around like uh, 12 inches behind me the whole time. Oh, and marched me downstairs, and it's the whole process started again. Don't know what's going on. Have no idea. It's it's literally a carbon copy of that first day all over. I'm back in the car. We're driving to a police station. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. We get there. I'm back in a cell. I'm thinking like, what's what uh, you know? What has come to pass? You know mm-hmm. what's what's happened with this process that I'm here right now? I don't know. So I just I wait, right? Because I just knowing what it was like the time before. I just kind of I sat there and I put my head against the wall and I just tried to forget everything and just wait. Then they went in for an interrogation and they told me that through their interviews mm-hmm. that they had uncovered someone else who was accusing me. And again, I didn't know who that was, and they didn't tell me for a long time. They kept doing the the whole, you know, oh, we th- we you know we think you know who it is. We think you know who it is. Basically, trying to get me to incriminate myself or say something, you know, like that's the whole shtick. That's what they do, right? And again, I was having the same thing. Like I was trying to think back to the first interrogation. I was like, okay, what can I say to you right now to get you to tell me what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, what what can I say? But you know, my lawyer said to me like. He says to everyone, he's just like, just don't say anything. Just sit there. And as much as I want to just burst and yeah. and, and say everything that I know, it's, it's so bad to do that. Because it's really, they're not trying to get the truth. They're trying to get you <laughs> put away. And whatever you say, if it's going to do that to you, then that's what it's going to do to you. So it's not, that's not a situation where... Okay, here's where we find the truth. That's not where that happens. Like that happens in court, right? The whole purpose of that point is to build the case against you, right? So I mean, that's that was explained to me through my lawyer, and I thought that was wickedly scary. So anyway, that so then eventually the name came out, and I was like, oh, okay, and this is this was someone that I dated from 2015, and um, I I didn't. Like we hadn't spoken in years. I didn't even know if she still lived in this city. But anyway, that one turned out to be like more of a roller coaster ride. And a lot of the statements that were made were even more outlandish and silly and really unbelievable. Can I ask um, which ones were the first girls' allegations and which ones were the next? Like were they similar or totally randomly different? Yeah. The, the, um, they were similar. Okay. Um, the only difference, see this, and, and this is a part where I, I, I usually kind of refrain from getting into, but it, in the moment, like I was, it was so scary and so serious. But when I heard it, it made me laugh. Like, and I think it was the first time that I had laughed in the entire time. And I, I thought to myself, it's like, when I tell my friends this, they're not going to, they're not going to believe it. Like, they're not going to believe it and they're going to laugh too. So, so for yeah, so for PG listeners, close your close your ears. <laughs> so anyway, the only difference in the charges were the first one was aggravated aggravated sexual assault, and for this one it was aggravated sexual assault. I'm just trying to remember like the terminology. <clears throat> it says assault with a weapon, a weapon. And I okay. thought like I don't own any guns, I don't own any swords. Yeah, I'm not you know, so I don't understand. So I just needed more information. So again, when you want more information, you just shut up and you wait and and you just listen, right? So I, I never did get that. I had to wait for um, like all the paperwork to show up with my lawyer. And like that's you're not allowed to take that stuff home because there's information in it. So if you want to read through it, you have to set up an appointment with your lawyer and go there and sit down and read it in the binder in their office. Um, so I did that a few times when I wanted to like just kind of get brushed up on it. And so when I went back to one of those times to read through it, I specifically wanted to read through to find where this bit was about the weapon to see what this was. And the weapon was a sex toy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, and <laughs> that's when I thought it was kind of silly. I was like, I don't, all right. Huh. Anyway, so it was, yeah, I, I just read through it and it was just a, that was the definition that they had given to the item for a reason that I still don't know, but they just decided to call it 
a weapon. And I was told later that often the reason for that is it generates a new charge. And if you're trying to get something to stick, you throw as many charges as you can, because even the prosecution knows that not all charges are going to stick. So, so what was your relationship like with the 2015 girl? Like, Uh, was that unexpected? At the time, no. But again, like over, you know, sometimes it takes me a long time to kind of really like chew on some memories to get, you know, a clear picture of, of how things really were. Um, it, at the time, no, it was, it wasn't expected. And even after they told me her name, I thought like, wow, that's, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. But then after kind of now I'm forced to think back and be like, like how, and how, like, how were things between us? And after hearing certain things and, you know, certain things that she said, I thought, okay, well, maybe she's one of these people too. And I just didn't see it and didn't know it. And at the time, like when you hear like just individual things, you, like where do you place it? You have no larger context, right? So they just get, if they don't find context, they just go away, you know? So it's only when seeing the big picture that, and, and even, even now, I mean, I was just kind of grasping at straws. Like I'm, I'm thinking back to conversations that we had and saying like, maybe that was an indicator and I don't really know. And I just got to be okay with never knowing, but you know, I just think back to certain things and I think, well, maybe, maybe that was a sign. Maybe, maybe this was a sign. And I've had conversations with my friends and they all say, Oh, for sure, man, that was, you know, that's a red flag big time. I was like, well, you can say that now because you know the whole story. But at the time I didn't, I didn't know any of this was coming. So, I mean, I know I can hear your story in terms of like just the, the utter surprise, right? And just the confusion and, and the inability to, like, you never got a chance to speak to these women afterwards, right? No, I did so. see one um, because it, um, the girl from 2015 is cause like the orders are backwards. It's like I, so the girl that I dated in 2015, that charge didn't show up until after, right? So the day of a prelim hearing, like she was in the courthouse that day. And when I walked in the building, she, her and, and another person were standing in the same room and just yeah. kind of walked by and that was it. But that was the only time I'd seen her. Yeah. So like you never really know like her thought process and why she thought to, you know, hey, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to also speak forward. And I think coming from from my perspective, if I was going to see something like like a big celebrity type, you know, and yeah. and then there's this slew of, of women adding up every day and every day with new stories because that's a, you know, a form of encouragement for her to, to then speak up. But then there is no way to legitimize one story over the other. Right. Cause now you're saying it's just like, okay, well to make a new story or a new case, we're just going to add a weapon or add a something, something so that there's an addition to that case so that that case can continue moving forward. Right. Right? Yeah. And they, they, they came at me with, with a third person too, from, Saskatoon. Yeah, there's so they said, yeah, and there's this person in Saskatoon in Saskatoon that just picked out your photo and said that you and another friend drove out there in a van and grabbed her in front of the convenience store. Right? So that's what they told me. It's like, man, you know, at that point, you know, like I know you're supposed to just sit there and just let them go through their thing, but I'm like I I must have said so much with expression on my face and hand gestures that it kind of didn't matter because I was rolling my my eyes and throwing my hands up and like doing a bunch of that. So anyway, they they turned out they came in, they did a forceful DNA extraction on me. So they took my blood and compared it to DNA that was in the van or uh, DNA that they, anyway that they looked at for whatever happened in Saskatoon. And so that went away right away when none of that matched and like i had never even been in saskatoon i've driven through it with my ex-girlfriend to go visit her parents and that was about it but um yeah i'd never even been in the city did you know that person that accused you what's that did you know that person that accused you at all no never heard the name they they said her name to me and it's i i don't know anyone with that name that's crazy yeah there is this movie i forgot what it's called but it's a, it's about this guy who's like a school teacher, um, and then mm-hmm. one of the girls, you know, has a crush on him and decides to tell 
everyone in school that he showed his penis to her. And then Mm -hmm. like the whole movie is just about like his whole like deterioration of his whole career path. And then everyone started making up stories about how they also were were part of this and that he would take them down to their to his basement. And then um, Mm -hmm. the police came over and he doesn't have a basement. He has a bungalow. Right. So, yeah, right. There, there was never, but the thing is that herd mentality will happen where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's that herd mentality of just like, oh, yeah, he said that, he said that, she said that, she said that. And like now everyone agrees, but no one even knows the real right. story anymore. Right. So, you know, you hear, you hear, say if you hear, uh, all right, let's take this, this one from Saskatoon, for example. Like, let's say that that something happened out there. And she was traumatized and she's looking at a photo and she's replayed that memory in her head so much that she looked at a picture of me and thought, well, he looks like the guy. Right. So from her, like it's possible. And I I don't know if that's how that went down, because I never I never ever got to hear a statement from her like I did the other one. But like, so say if she speaks with a little bit of a, a genuineness in her voice. Right. Whereas the other ones, you know, when you hear them speak in the interview. It was like, are you guys kidding me? Like, you can't, you can't see the, the bullshit that's just spewing right here. But people in the public, like, they don't, they don't hear that. They don't, they can't measure those things against each other. They just see a Facebook comment. They just see a, a you know, and they say not to read comments on that stuff. I did the opposite. I went to every news link, yeah. every Facebook link, every comment. I read every single one multiple times. And even, for example, there's a a guy that I used to work with, right? And he's a, a he was a, you know I considered him a close friend, and I I still speak to him now. Um, we worked in the same industry, and we were interested in the same things, and that was it. We were just buddies. And um, I was I've been at his house a few times, and I, I I know his wife, his wife now, not at the time. And we would always I would always just kind of stand in the kitchen and wait for him to do what he had to do. And we would always crack jokes and, you know, I played with his dog. That was it. That's, that was my entire experience with her. That's all she knows of me. That's all I know of her is just cracking jokes, standing up in the kitchen. Right. And, you know, we'd laugh and just have conversation. That's all I ever knew of her. And then as I'm reading through all these comments, I see people, you know, making their speculations like, you know, and, and the one I kept seeing for my story and stories like myself it's like you know what's wrong with the system you know if this is what happened why is he out walking around right now that was a big thing i i would read and um there's this this one old man he came in he's like all you guys are being crazy he's like you don't know anything it's like this is a story that just came out no one has any information and you're all jumping on this guy's back right it's like for all you know he could be like you know a complete gentleman and um anyway my buddy's wife showed up in the comments and she says well i wouldn't say gentleman under really? any circumstance. And I thought, wow, it's like, you don't even know me. And it's like, I've, I've been only polite to you every day. I'd come in, I'd say, hi, how are you? Just being as nice as I can, you know, I was brought up to be super nice and super polite. And that's all I've ever shown to her the entire time. And then I see that. Wow. So, I mean, she had no problem jumping on the bandwagon, even with someone that she semi knows, you know? You know, I think I think you brought up something really interesting that the the first two allegations are people that you knew. I mean, the first one seemed to be a very um, malicious intent. You know, it was really deliberate. The second one seemed like right. it's, it's it seemed opportunistic. Yeah, opportunistic is a good one uh, word for that. And then the third one, though, when you said that it was genuine, you know, I think that's when when this gets this muddies the waters because for her, yeah, yes. you're right. She. Maybe she did experience a situation and is just thinking it's you because now that you've got two other women, you know, as victims, she's kind of like, oh, maybe this makes more sense. This makes sense that it wasn't a random, that this person actually does this on the regular and it's got to be this one then. Right. Right. And if and and if that's your your, if that's what what's happened, then, of course, I think you're going to be like reaching. You're going to want to find a solution to that. You're going to be reaching for things. Right. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that my problem with this whole process, the thing that really like got me thinking like, man, like we're in trouble as a, as a people is that the, the role of the police in this whole thing, like, I think they should have a responsibility to kind of keep the conversation between the ditches and to keep it logical and to keep it, keep it real. 
But I think if they if they see it kind of organically going in a certain direction, even if it's like incorrect, they just like push it to yeah. see if they can get it to go over the bridge. You know, like I that is terrifying to me. Yeah. Well, I think it's also one thing. Like, how how can you how do you say to someone that has announced to the police that a crime has happened? You can't just be like, oh no no, lady, that never happened. You know. Like you can't ignore it, so they, I guess they have to go through the protocols. Oh no, for sure, right? And yeah, and I th- like I think the answer to that is is quite simple. You know, like I I know like a part of this uh, Me Too hashtag was believe all women, right? And I think there's a I think when when someone says like, well, no, you can't believe all women. Like I'm not just going to take what you say on face value just because of your genitalia. Mm-hmm. Like I think that is a stupid thing, but. To say that, like, no, I'm not going to just believe you is doesn't mean that I'm just going to come out and, and shoot down your, what you're saying. But I will come out and say that, listen, I don't disbelieve you. You know, to say that just believe someone, it's to say that I don't disbelieve you, I think, holds the same power. Yeah. And it doesn't condemn someone else. You know, it, it, it starts the conversation, I think, in the right place. You know, I think to go out and say, like, listen, I just believe you because you're just saying it and that's it. It starts that whole conversation in an unfair place. It starts it in a place that you can't really get any real progress from, and you'll never find a real truth from, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to say, listen, I, I, I hear what you're saying to me, and I don't disbelieve you, and we're going to try our hardest to uncover everything we can to 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 find the truth. And I think to, to be genuine that way and to really try to help the situation, like if it, if it's about you know, helping you and not about trying to like destroy this other thing. I don't know. It just needs, I think it all needs to come from a place of rectifying a wrong. And the first thing you have to do is establish that something wrong happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a very mature way to think about it. Like to say like, yeah, obviously something happened if you have something to say about it. Right. So there, it's not like this is imagination, but Mm -hmm. there needs to be more, more to it than just blindly saying everything you say is true right because there, there has to be you know yeah and i it's story, right and you know just because i think just because law enforcement if they were to you know look at someone making an accusation and say listen you can't just assume that this happened like that shouldn't be perceived as oh my god you don't believe me mm-hmm. in my opinion but i understand that if you know, if it really did happen and you're coming with this information and they come back at you saying like, listen, like we need to like look into this to see if this is real. And, you know, someone may think, oh, you don't believe me. Like I, I see where that can be a shocking, you know, a thing that you don't want to have to face if you have to go to uncover this thing, you know, and it's not like, and it's not like the severity of that situation is lost on me because when I called my parents and I told my mother about what was happening, like my sister and I, like we, we fought like siblings do growing up, but we never, for some reason, like we don't hate each other, but for some reason, like we never kind of got past that and we never developed like a tight brother, sister relationship. Now it's completely different. So, so now then she called me after all of this happened and she told me a story. So she said, um, she had just gone through breast cancer. So she had lost she lost one of her breasts and she'd gone through the whole thing. She's better now, but at the time it was stressful on the whole family and on my mother. So right when that happened, it's when she was like just in recovery, things were looking good and she got, you know, she got a good report back. And it was a little while after that. And the doctor said to her, "Is like, listen, if you, if you're harboring any like secret that's bothering you, if there's something that is on your, your chest that you need to, you know, that you need to reveal or just kind of get it off of your head, if it's causing you stress, like you need to do that because someone in your position with your health, that that sort of thing that's causing you stress is going to bring back this cancer. She believes that that's 100%. I believe it too, right? Mm-hmm. So my sister went to my mother and says, listen, mom, I need, to, I need to tell you something. It's like, it's this happened a long time ago and it's over now and I've dealt with it, but I need to get it off. I need to share it with somebody so that it doesn't kill me now. And so she shared that when she was nine years old, that she was raped by someone in our extended family. Mm-hmm. So she told that to my mother. And this was literally three days before I called my mother 
and told her about this hurricane that was happening right now. So oh yeah, like, so she almost died. My mother almost, it, I can't imagine it destroyed her on a level. Like her whole world was apart, you know? So like that, the seriousness of that whole thing is, you know, and when my sister told me this, now I'm, I have to like balance these two feelings. Yeah. How do, how do you process like, you know, hearing uh, another genuine story from someone that you, you really do care for and then being accused for, you know, a similar action that isn't true. You know, like how do you yeah how do you process those two dynamics? You know what? Do you, <laughs> of all people, you know, who I, I heard a statement from one person that made me, okay, yes, that's how you process this. That person was Louis C.K. And it was in an interview he did a long time ago, and he wasn't even referring to this topic. He was just referring to his urge to check social media all the time, mm-hmm. right? But like, it still applied, and I used that one statement, and it, for some reason it just helped. But what he had said was he was driving on the road, and he felt this urge to check his social media, yeah. right? And he, he's talking about how everyone is addicted to their phones, right? And he just had this urge that came over him to 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 check it, right? And He's basically saying that it's the, the the pushing back of that urge is what makes it um, uncomfortable, right? So he pulled over, he sat there, and he just let that feeling wash over him. You know, it's like how do you how do you learn how to combat a feeling if you reject it all the time, right? Like if you just let it happen and you let it wash over you, then you can see it up close and figure it out, yeah. as opposed to just running from it that feeling right so i mean i just kind of applied that to the situation is that every time every time i would get a wave of like panic or anxiety come over me of that whole thing i would immediately try to distract myself or i would just mm-hmm. throw my shoes on i'd head outside and i'd just start a conversation with someone that i didn't know just because it was and that's not me like i'm a pretty quiet guy like i'm a bit of an introvert yeah. but if i was just in a conversation like that was uncomfortable but a different type of uncomfortable and then I just wouldn't be thinking about that other stuff, right? And that, at, for a while, that was the only way that I could not think about that other stuff. I would just do that. And then after hearing that, I thought, okay, well, if I just just sit there and just let it hit me and actually think about it and be aware of how it feels, then I can monitor what it's actually doing to me and, you know, in real time. And that was, was like only being aware of it and sitting in it in like this super discomfort of that situation was i able to say okay so this is how long it lasts this is how severe it feels and the next time it happened like it wasn't as scary you know so yeah so that was you know and i guess it didn't really help me find any more answers but coping with it just became like a a a thing that i could see now it was a manageable thing it wasn't this unknown monster that was just showing up yeah i mean that that makes sense that that is your answer right because you know you're not going to get answers and i think you have accepted that and realized that that's the process right you won't you won't receive answers so it's yeah that was the like i said that was the hardest thing like i'm trying to i'm trying to solve this big like complicated equation and it's never it doesn't have an answer and it never will wild yeah so i want to wrap up with a couple a couple quick questions sure this was a wild story i didn't think it was going to go all the way to that like (laughs) one after the other after the other that's insane so how has life been different for you after this situation so i know you know you had you always have to announce that this is a a charge that you had at work and you weren't able to get any jobs so a couple years has gone by now like how is your employment situation how are your relationships now you know what are the things that you didn't think twice about before that you are like super hyper aware of now whenever you engage with women moving forward um well yeah that's a well to be honest it's like the negative thing from all of this is is engagement with other women and how i speak with them how i listen to you know that whole thing has been impacted negatively but i think only for a, a, a a period of time because to be honest it's like as unfair as it might be i don't trust anyone unless you're my mother or my sister it's you know it's 
I'm I'm sorry, but I have to just hold myself at a particular distance, and you may not know that I'm mm-hmm. doing that. But I it, it's just this autopilot self preservation thing that was born of all that that I'm sure I'm gonna have to somehow address later on or work through or figure it out. But for right now, it affords me the ability to be able to live the other parts of my life with some sense of normalcy. So I'll accept that knowing that it's not perfect right now and um, then work on that after when I've got some solid legs under me. You know, As it comes to employment, um, I, I battled with the idea of when it first happened and I had to find work, I was, I, I tracked down some like really great jobs, like doing things that I loved and before, and you know, I, I would go for the interview and there was this one guy, you know, and it was, it was woodworking and that's a, like a passion of mine. I love it. And then this, we get talking and this guy's like, man, I've interviewed so many guys and like, like you just get it. And I'm, Really, I'm looking for someone that can take this, take the wheel of this thing when I retire. And I thought, man, that's amazing because I love everything you're doing here. And we had that conversation and it was great. And we, we, we kept texting back and forth on, on kind of like a personal level, you know, after that for a little while. And before the position started, I thought I was just guilty. You know, I felt I felt really bad for not telling him what had happened. And mm. I thought it was only fair that he should know, you know, um, because if. You know, someone else finds out it could negatively impact his business. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll write this big, long email. I'll, um, you know, we, we built a little bit of a report at this point. So I write this big, long email. I explain everything that had happened. And I said, listen, if, if, you know, if you decide that this is not the direction for you, I understand. I, you know, no hard feelings. Um, I just want you to know that I appreciate the interview. I think what you're doing is amazing and I'd love to be a part of it. And if you decide against that, then, you know, no foul. And I didn't even get a message back from him anymore. His, his wife did the books in the company and she sent like a canned email that said, um, we decided to go another way, you know, and I didn't even hear from him anymore. And I thought like, wow, that was that, you know, that bomb landed harder than I thought it would, you know? Um, and then after that, I kind of ended up in the mindset of, you know what? It's not like this thing happened to me. Like I didn't go out and, and flaw this part of my process myself. Right. So, I mean, this isn't fair. And I had to kind of start taking some things back for me because I would have just crashed and burned if I didn't. So, and, and this is through, um, you know, conversations with my family and my lawyer too. It's like, listen, it's like that really is no one else's business, even an employer, right. To, 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 to go that far to say it. And I know it does sound unfair to an employer, but it just, I had no choice. I had to just carry on like it had never happened and just go through my interview and not say anything about it and go to work. And that's it. Um, I worked at a place for almost a year. They asked me to go out of town. I couldn't because the curfew was still a thing. And this is, again, this was another job that I loved. I loved what I was doing. And the guy, like he was, you know, he, the, the manager of the place, again, was a guy similar to my age and we, we hit it off and we, we had like a good friendship vibe. And um, he looks at me at one day and he's like, man, you're a single guy. He's like, what do you want, parole or something? Right. And I kind of like got red in the face right away. Like, ooh, like, man, that comment like kind of hit home. Mm. Right. And I was like, no, you know what? I'll, I'll explain everything to you one day. And I, and I was like considering, you know what? Like I've been here working here for a long time. I feel like I'm close enough with this guy that I can share this stuff right now. So I was kind of going through that conversation in my head and waiting for the right time. And the very next day, like I guess that was enough for him to just, you know, run to the internet and see what I had to say. And the very next day he comes back and he's like, Hey man, better let you go. And he was wow. covering his ass too. That was my birthday when that happened. <laughs> so that was, that sucked. But um, he told me, he's like, hey, I got to let you go, man. I fought for you. I told him you're one of my best guys, but it's just the way it is. And then a couple of months went by. I had some money saved up. I just couldn't start the job search pro- uh, process at that point because I, because if I had looked for one job and they were like, nope, like I think that would have just wrecked me. So I, I had to stay away from those no's for a few months. So I spent like three months. I didn't look for anything. I just lived off of my savings and I just had to just kind of detach from everything for a little bit and decompress. 
And then when, you know, savings started to run out, I thought, all right, I'm going to need to get after this. And I, I, I just made one phone call. And the first phone call, the guy was like, yes, come in. And I show up and we, we go through a conversation. It seems like that everything that they needed at the time I had to offer and everything I needed, they had to offer. So, and the guy looked at me, he was like, man, it's like you were sent to me from the heavens or something. Like he keeps cracking that joke. He's like, cool. Well, now I'm here. And a few months ago, um, actually not a few, maybe like, like well, anyway, right after everything was cleared up, after everything was dropped, I, I pulled him aside and I told him the whole thing. And he said to me, he's like, listen, man, I'm not even going to look it up because I know, I know the guy that I know and that's it. So, so that worked out really well. So I'm, I'm happy with that situation. So employment is, is, is going good right now. So, I mean, that's a positive thing. I can use that now as a springboard to kind of inject some, you know, normal things into everything else. So it's yeah. not just a, a black void. For this sure. is just something I noticed from what you're saying with the employment process with um, so many people saying no to you and you having to give yourself that break, you know, that time for yourself to not receive just, an, just be inundated with so many rejections. And then, you know, the saving grace happens and someone finally believes in everything that you're doing because you've kind of shown who you are. And it doesn't really matter what happened before, right? Because you are who you are today and, you, yeah. and everything that, that amounted to that. So if you're now looking in your, it's obviously easier to do something in a, an employment state because it's a transaction of services, right? right. And, and payment. So if you now think of this in your personal relationships, whether they're friends, family, or romantic partners, what do you think you can take from your employment scenario that can help you, you know, bring back that trust, bring back that opportunity for you to, to trust people all over again and to, you know, get back to something that, um, that feels good for you. Right. Um, well, one thing, one idea that, you know, has been bouncing around in my head quite a bit, it's that I, I don't want to confuse, you know, for, for an employer to say like, Hey, like I, I trust you. And, I don't, I don't want to hold you down because of some crap that happened in your life. And, and, you know, basically they, they responded as good as anyone could. Right. I, I just don't want to confuse that happening with, you know, that job actually being a good fit based on the merit of the job itself. Right. You know, because that can easily take the place of that. And then you find some years later, you're just unhappy because you're in a job that you, you, you stayed in just because it checked one box on a list, it just so happened to be that that was a difficult box to check at the time. So, it, it, you know, I, I don't want to lose sight of me wanting to check all the other boxes just because it's giving me one that I had trouble getting. And it, it goes the same way for people that I meet and women that I talk to. Uh, you know, I don't want to talk to a woman and then have her say, hey, listen, I understand like that happens to people and that must have been a terrible thing. Um, let's move forward. I don't want to ignore all of the other, you know, things that I look for in a partner just because that one passed. Uh -huh. and I think it's going to be kind of difficult and hard to, to, to make myself, you know, continue to kind of qualify a situation to see if there's a connection, you know, cause it's, it's, it's hard to, to hear that and not just, jump in with both feet like oh man like it's so rare to hear this i mean yeah like i get i guess like from my end um i've been a survivor of sexual abuse like a lot of women have been and i i always find that that's like the the last step that i'll throw in there to see whether or not i'm compatible with someone and then i've i've never reversed it to make it the first because i think if you begin with that then everything afterwards like you still want the full package but if you start with that at least you funnel out yeah most of the the ones that wouldn't be prepared for that, so I'm not sure. Like I, everyone's right. strategy, yeah. but yeah, like it's not like it ends there. But if if you got that first yeah. acceptance, then at least like the rest of it kind of just amplifies everything because you've already received that first acceptance, right? Right, and I and you know what I I get it, and and I I struggle with that choice, and I've often gone two ways, right? It's like. Do you start with it, like you say, and now you funnel out anyone that 
that's going to be an issue for right in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Or do you end with it because you don't want to, you know, scare someone off or you don't, you don't want to set the you know the wrong tone. But there's a part that I was thinking too, that when, if I lead with it, then I ask myself, is their response to every question and situation now somehow influenced by that first thing, even if it was, you know, accepted in the beginning is now everything else happening differently because of that, you know? Yeah. Um, is there anything wrong with that though? Or do you think it's not um, genuine? Well, I, well, maybe not, maybe not, but it's, it's still one of those things that I think about, you know, maybe that I, 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 cause I'll, you know, that's one of those things that you'll never know the answer is, you know, I think to myself sometimes it's like, okay, I said this and they're like, wow, like you've gone through some crap. Now, if I, I, we go to do something else, it's like, maybe they don't want to give you bad news because they're like, oh, you've already been through so much or, you know, like I, it's that, like, I want people to be straight with me all the time. And sometimes I think that, well, if I, if I wait till the end to say that, then I know that it didn't influence any other comment, any other reaction before that. Now, before that, I can, I can gauge those things on their merits and their merits alone and not how it relates to this thing, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I've never thought of it that way. So, so yeah, thanks for that. that uh, yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to damage someone's process. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just, I've had, you know, so many people, even my family, friends tell me like, you know, you're holding this standard like way too high and no one's ever going <laughs> to, no one's ever going to like, you know, pass this, this thing that you've created. Right. But like I said, that's one of those things that I think I I realize now is, you know, is like kind of a, a weird network and maze to have to navigate, but it is going to allow me to kind of become normal on the other side. And then once I'm there, then I can work back to here from there. You know, it seems like a big mess, but <laughs> Hey, like messy things create messy ways, I guess. Yeah, that that is that is incredible. Your story has been insane, and and what you've come out of that has is beautiful, you know. And and having that openness, and I don't know, like it's it's I did not expect <laughs> any of these things that you said. Um, I want to wrap up with one last question for you. What did you learn about yourself from sharing the story with me today? Whoa, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm still learning it, to be honest. Um, I've, there's certain things that I thought that were difficult before mm-hmm. that now I say, okay, like the, the level for, you know, what you can take, what you can tolerate has changed and not through your own effort, but it just happened. So it's, it's just the result of that. So that's a good thing that you can take more. And I, I seriously believe, and I've believed this for a long time that I I think everyone is one trauma away from being like the most amazing version of themselves. Like there's just something about, you know, and whatever type it is, but there's just something, there's even like, like psychology studies that say that, you know, like if, if you go through a trauma between a particular age in your life, like in a certain segment, and it has to be like, there's this narrow band, that it's an incredible indicator for insane success, which is, I thought was an interesting thing to see. Right. And, and even like my, my ex, well, I'll call her like the one that got away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like she had gone through something like that as well. And I just think that some of the difficulties that we had of even communicating was that, you know, the world showed her an ugly side of itself at a young age. And I had lived this, super easy life up to that point and just her view of everything came from a part that came from a point of like listen i had to endure this and i became something else something better and now i live my life from that better place and you still you've never had to deal with anything like that and the perspectives are just so different and i think that bleeds itself into everything but so now like i can kind of now i think to myself like oh i i kind of understand like i don't because it wasn't the same thing you didn't go through the same things but i understand that now when you get dragged so hard and something like so heavy just comes down on you it changes every other part you know and it forces you to like toughen up in a way now that applies to every other little thing like even conversations that i have with employers in an interview like i'm i'm way more assertive 
now than I ever would have been. I, I didn't like confrontation. And if it meant that, you know, like it negatively impacted me, I would just be, okay, whatever. You know, I kind of took after my mother that way. She's, you know, she's soft-spoken. Um, she never wants to create any kind of issue. Whereas now I take more after my dad. Like my dad, if he gets shorted on something, like he's going to let you know. Like he's he's loud and boisterous and opinionated and he says what he thinks and he means what he says, right? And that whole process took me from position A and kind of brought me much closer to position B. And not through, like I said, any effort of my own. It's just that how that's how the world reveals itself to me now. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I see it. That's a that's like a perfect example of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for this uh, this interview. It's, it's been great. Um, I really appreciate it. Wow, what an incredible story. I was very nervous about interviewing this one out of fear it might trigger negative feelings in me. But I was pleasantly surprised to see how he has been able to continue living a peaceful life after this happened to him. That this is just a part of his story now, and that makes him the man he is today. Make sure to subscribe, and if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Man at Chen on Instagram, and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Man.